Hello, everybody. Welcome to an ad hoc COVID-19 episode of 26.1 AI podcast. Brian Ray and I today will speak with Brett Averso, a founder and CTO of Evolve, a startup working on coronavirus. Welcome, Brett. Hi, thank you for having me. Brett, you have some big news that's pretty recent in terms of what Evolve and what you are doing with immunoprecise antibodies. You, do you want to start out with that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, we're, we have a collaboration agreement in place with Immunoprecise Antibodies, which is a, a, just a fantastic um, uh, Canadian-based uh, company that has expertise in developing uh, therapeutic monoclonal antibodies. Um, they have they have uh, several very innovative um, platforms for uh, developing antibodies in, in the lab. And what's cool is, is uh, well, well, we have this great opportunity to, to develop uh, sequences, uh, antibody sequences from, uh, from the computer, which is a process we call the an in silico discovery process, and send those sequences to, um, to our partner, who will then in turn be able to pr uh, produce those in a recombinant um, setting and then, and then uh, validate and test those antibodies. Um, so, so the AI is another complementary uh, uh, platform for our partner. Um, so, yeah. And so, how how is this process different from you know, given the urgency and everything else that's going on right now? How is it different from the work you've done in the past? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, the, the traditional, the the conventional means of discovering um, a therapeutic right involves countless of hours and, and days, and if not weeks, um, in the wet lab, um, trying to um, express enough um, uh, antibodies or, or proteins when it comes to biologic therapeutics um, uh, in order to, um, to test those antibodies for their binding affinity. And, and you know, some of them may be immunogenic, some of them uh, may not be, some of them may, may be a, a therapeutic, they're hitting a, a, a target that's called an epitope um, that could elicit a response potentially, and some could not. This takes a very long time. Um, the, the, the really, I, th I think the really nice benefit of what we're providing from our side is um, a computational approach that models um, that models uh, aspects such as uh, the stability of the, of the antibody or the or the binding affinity um, or any a lot of these characteristics, and we're doing this all within the computer. So we reduce a lot of the the, the time, and the cost, and the and the upfront risks that could be associated uh, with uh, the lab development. And hopefully, um, as this as our technology gets more proven through our collaboration, that um, uh, we, we will have found some greater efficiency in the drug discovery process. And so, so um, yeah. Well, I think I read that you're going to run through something like 10 to 150th um, power, the number of uh, experiments that yes. you're going to run in silica. Right, yeah. So, so the, the theoretical search space um, could be as high as 10 to the 150th. Um, if you were to just strictly... Um, search for um, sequences from a combinatorics perspective. So like think like a almost like a brute, brute force 
means. But what we do here is um, we look at the relationships between the various amino acids that comprise of the antibody and understand their, their positions and their relationships to one another. And we can kind of infer a coupling's strength. So like, like a pair is in a sense like a coupling and um, we can in infer like a kind of like a energy landscape across the, the whole biological sequence. And, and once we've inferred that energy landscape, we're able to um, um, kind of create like a, an inferential machine that um, has strong correlation with um, uh, evolution and ho uh, homologous or, or other similar uh, antibodies that exist. Um, so we so we have a smarter mutag mutagenic type uh, engine to develop uh, antibody variations um, that could potentially bind uh, better, um, could potentially perform better with respect to their stability, um, possess better traits, um, and possess better affinity for this latest version of the SARS coronavirus. Yeah. So it, when what it really you're saying for in, in layman's terms is that it's going to help reduce the limit the effects of the disease. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think what I what I'm trying to say is that uh, there we know that like today as we speak we there are antibodies that bind with the original SARS virus um, from the 2003 SARS outbreak. And right now, those same antibodies do not possess the same uh, affinity for this latest strain. But if we can run these through our computer models, we may be able to land upon one that has great cross-reactivity and the right traits to be a therapeutic. And that's what we're aiming for. I hope I hope and I to get in that way. Sure. And to <laughs> give a scale of the time savings, maybe explore that a little bit, just for an example. I'm familiar with Zymergen and what they do with trying to predict useful microbes. Sure. And the example that Janet Matson, one of their ML practitioners, had given was um, 10 to the 17th number of variations in gene edits could take in traditional wet lab settings 10 to the 10th power of time, which is the age of the universe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I... so I imagine you're working in silico in kind of the same scale of time savings compared to traditional yeah, yeah that's settings. that's an interesting way to to uh, compare it and and um i think when it i think that you know in in terms of of actual drug development time right where where it takes um weeks for you for, for uh, say if it was a what they have like they have a hybridoma or or b cell um platform um, and then another, another platform is called uh, phage display. Either way, with with these platforms, right? They're fantastic platforms at at expressing antibodies um, towards a particular target. But it does take a long time. Um, I think that 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 uh, when we're able to to um, sample and generate um, sequences and filter them down all within the computer, it's just a, it's a matter of of days as opposed to weeks, and that's. And that's that's part of uh, the the um, the asset of AI, and also gaining an understanding of of what of what those potential candidates are could perform like in the lab by with our models um, is is the other major asset to to what's going on. So and so as yeah sure go ahead yeah go ahead 
No, you and Andrew, you're spending like 100 hours in the lab or 100 hours working together a week, I heard. Is that true? <laughs> we're working, we're working pr pretty hard. We're working, we're working pretty hard. I, I would think like, yeah, like, like between like 80 and 100 hours a week is, is about right. Um, and I believe, you're, I believe you're doing good. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about, since we have some practitioners that listen to us, can you talk a little bit more about what your lab setting's like? You know, how do you apply this AI machine learning to your problem? Is it in the cloud, is on-premise, are you using GPUs, that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all on the cloud. Um, it's uh, we work primarily with AWS. We we also have a, a few instances with Azure. Um, uh, we work with um, uh, we we do use a deep learning instance um, for for a deep learning algorithm. But the the deep learning algorithm is more under development right now. Um, right now we're we're very focused on uh, when it comes to our search space. We're we're very interested in in uh, graphical models, um, couplings analysis, um, and uh, uh, and performing um, uh, uh, principal component analysis and and various means of of uh, feature feature engineering um, on our on our on our filter side. So what we do is we generate a, a number of sequences at first. We generate uh, several million sequences at first, and then we need to filter them out. Um, so that on the filtering side, we, we characterize all the sequences and compare them to therapeutics that have been approved. And, and, um, and we work from there to, to try to come up with a great panel of um, antibody candidates that we think may bind. So it's a, it's a unsupervised extra. So it's a basically you generate a bunch, then you use unsupervised learning PCA to narrow it down a bit. Um, yeah, you know what? And let me let me um, clarify a little bit because I just I just I think my mind just jumped around to PCA for a moment because I was actually working on something like that. But uh, um, we yeah, there's uh, we work with different algorithms. Um, you know, there's a lot of features to characterize the proteins by, um, but we apply like a PCA um, for for some of the uh, reducing of the features, and then um, we have uh, a, a different different classification methods that we use. Um, to uh, classify the antibodies, we we cluster them um, based on their similarity, and then we'll cluster them based on the characteristics they possess. So what we can cluster them based on, say, their overall uh, thermal stability or their overall um, uh, hydrophobicity uh, versus charge. Uh, we t we have whole a whole bunch of host of different features. We try to explore our data set to get a very diverse set of variants. And then, and then, lastly, we we apply a Markov process for um, uh, uh, modeling uh, uh, binding affinity. Um, Markov mark chains, you mean? Yeah, Markov yeah, chains. Yeah, yeah Markov chains. Pardon me. Um, yes, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. in, in terms of your team, what's that look like? Since you're you're not a biologist, right? I, I'm not a biologist. Correct. Um, yeah, actually, it's interesting. So Andrew and I are both not biologists, um, and um, uh, we, we kind of came at this as outsiders, um, thinking about it as as uh, data scientists, and and asking ourselves how could we how could we look at challenges uh, differently. Um, and um, so we we do have a great team of uh, science guys with us, um, and they've been extremely helpful. And us discovering and understanding as we go, but it's been probably the steepest learning curve in my life is learning 
learning um, biology in this on um, in this level, learning structural biology or uh, learning about like like essentially like biophysics, um, understanding how the how these these features and these characteristics describe proteins and and um, it's been it's been a very very interesting um, very interesting challenge and path for us so far. So you're a data scientist at heart and you're enjoying the rich feature space and, and biochemistry. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. The 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 understanding this domain has been very challenging, but um, we have some really great guys on our team that have been extremely helpful and that we're very grateful for. Um, and um, um, it's just it's been it's been a lot of it's been a lot of challenge. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and I think that we're we're um, we're we're gonna we're I think we're gonna keep uh, being kind of like the kind of an, an unusual team. We're 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 focused on on a on a data science perspective to this as opposed to um, a kind of a conventional uh, uh, biotech uh, uh, perspective. So um, that that may mean that our team is uh, uh, may not possess. Uh, 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 our technologists may not necessarily be bioinformaticists, for example. Our technologists may may have a very heavy background in um, data science and and deep learning and machine learning. Um, I think that's something that we like to do, um, just to be just to be a different company. From stage of company for you and evolve, hmm. you're pretty early, correct? And um, you're relationship with IPA is pretty new and in some sense they're they're part of your uh, probably norming of your sales process I'd imagine oh yeah yeah absolutely um yeah our relationship with IPA is fairly new um, and uh, this is uh, this is something new for us I think um, we're we want to I think our primary means uh, today is is to uh, uh, Get get a number, get as many sequences as we can that are diverse out to IPA, so they can produce and 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 validate these sequences. We'd love to see how th these sequences perform in the actual lab, so we can correlate that back with um, the results our algorithms are predicting, um, and that's going to get get, get help us um, gain greater insight um, as to where we need to improve our platform and um, and help essentially validate. Uh, whether we're on the right track. And you started off in finance too before Columbia. Is that correct? And how does this, how does you go from, you know, your interest in finance and this, what appears to be extremely deep knowledge and to machine learning applied to biology? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a really big change. <laughs> um, when I was in finance, um, uh, you know, it was, I didn't. I didn't feel much intrinsic reward um, to, to to what I was doing, and so um, when I moved into uh, when I came to the decision to go into data science and then go down this path, I think it had to do a lot with with how can I use information um, to make to make people's lives better, right? Um, and a lot of times in finance, it's, it feels like I'm three, th you know, three or three or four orders uh, removed from that kind of a process. I mean, I'm, I'm working with data every day, right? Um, but, but here at least I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of like, like the, the, the potential, potential outcomes from, from the models, um, uh, you know, could, could have a great impact on, on humanity. Right. Um, and, and I mean, like, you know, 
not just with COVID-19, but with drug discovery in general, right? Um, given the given how challenging it is to get a therapeutic um, through up to even get to clinical trials is is quite challenging, right? Um, a lot most candidates will, uh, you know, will will not. There's only one candidate out of a batch that could that could be chosen um, to go through the clinical trial process. So if we can maximize the the possibilities and use models to infer and predict how they'll perform. I think that's that's a that's an amazing benefit to to society and to medicine. And the race is on right now for therapies that are effective for coronavirus. Do you know of other folks approaching this problem in the same way or in a similar way as you and Evolve? You know, I'm sure there are quite a few companies that are also trying to leverage AI either through collaborations or to some degree internally. Um, I think that that um, there's there's so many ways in which a therapeutic um, could fail in trials, and um, I think it's good that the whole industry is galvanized in trying to discover various therapeutics, whether it be a vaccine or a monoclonal antibody, um, or a, or a small molecule being being repurposed um, towards towards COVID nineteen. It's 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 a I think it's a very good thing that everyone is kind of working towards this. Um, and trying to move as fast as we can. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's just, it's just going to take time, unfortunately, you know, and time is not on our, is not on our hands. So. Um, uh, the pressure's on. Yeah, the pressure's on. So, so pressure's on. Up this, how is it looking? How are you, do you have results or how far are you? How, how soon do we save Brian from his uh, stir crazy life right now? Yeah, can you get me out? Being locked down. <laughs> yeah right. Uh, yeah, I, I know how you feel. I feel very stir crazy now as well at this point. Um, I think that uh, uh, so we've submitted a panel and we're reviewing the characteristics of that panel presently. Um, that panel uh, uh, has uh, quite a lot of features and characteristics about it. Um, so it is kind of a lot to go through. But it the way we're working on this is kind of iteratively. So uh, our our scientists are kind of getting together. Uh, with us together, and we're talking about what are the most important features with respect to the selections that we want to make. Um, we look at different clustering visualizations to decide not just on, on sequence diversity, but also on different performance characteristics. We try to cluster all the, all the antibody uh, clones in, in different methods because we want to provide a very diverse sample um, uh, for the lab. And then lastly, we also want to think about um, you know, uh, with it, with a sense of control for our experiments. So we're also thinking about, um, you know, per perhaps what what is an what are you know several antibodies that the algorithm predicted would perform only fairly, or um, and then kind of use those as as a control. Um, to, and that would also help validate our algorithm's predictive accuracy. Um, so in in um, the subtle detail here that mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the other machine learning people who listen to our podcast might pick up on is that. Now you have to go and kind of collectively decide which which features are important kind of after the fact, because there is no answer. There's no right answer yet, right? So you're now going back and you're looking at some of these features types mm. and you're ranking those as well. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. A lot of it is about exploring the feature space. Um, and um, uh, a lot of it is also about what, what sequences do we wish to eliminate um, that of our candidates. Uh, based on those features performances. Um, 
And then, and then also as we gain insight through these conversations, we're able to um, develop new new algorithms that that could uh, predict or recommend um, different sequences, uh, you know, ba based on based on our conversations with the scientists at IPA. Um, so it's all it's all very very informative for us. So we're very we're we're very happy for this. Uh, having this collaboration is a really big opportunity for us, especially because we're we're so early stage right now. So and. What you're looking for right now, is it a treatment instead of a vaccine? Um, for example, Johnson & Johnson announced that they've selected something that's promising, for example, for a vaccine. Mm. Is that specifically what you're looking for? Or is it more of a therapeutic molecule that would help people recover from COVID-19? Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing about uh, monoclonal antibodies, right? They're, they're, they're typically applied as a therapeutic um, and um, they're they're particularly successful in in um, um, uh, a host of, a host of different diseases, um, but monoclonal antibodies could also be applied um, uh, in a prophylactic setting. So so like it, it, there is the possibility that 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 uh, you could be vaccinated with monoclonal antibodies and receive a temporary immunity. Um, but generally, um, I think the, the, the application of, of our therapeutic would be as a therapeutic, I'm mean, sorry, excuse me, that sounds silly. Um, the application of our, of our platform would most likely be as a therapeutic for those who have contracted COVID-19. And to bring it up a layer level, a layer higher, um, and I, I kind of switch gears here because I always like to ask this question. Now you're doing good things here with solving a problem for coronavirus, obviously. Um, what's the flip side? What is the, and maybe even in the same domain, what if you get it wrong? Or what if this, you know, the chances of mutation for the virus itself, or, you know, I always try to look at both sides of the coin. Mm. Right. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, the, the, the risks are always very high, especially in drug discovery. Um, fortunately, fortunately for us, when something fails, um, given that everything that we're working on is in silico, it's, it's not too difficult for us to try to re-engineer, um, and, and figure out how we can improve our algorithms or if we should, should try some, try another method or another means. Um, it could, it could just be that the, the target that we were going after, um, isn't the right target. Um, it could be that, it could be that, the uh, the target is not immunogenic. It could be that the the uh, it could it could be a whole host of different different reasons with respect to why something doesn't work out. Um, I think that it's important to um, uh, just we we try to keep an open mind and, and think about how we could um, uh, pivot uh, our our tech stack uh, if something was to fail, right? Um, so yeah, maybe walk through that flow. From what I understand, or what I'm assuming, is that IPA has sort of a library of antibodies prepared that they've mm. uh, um, discerned through traditional lab methods. Mm. Now you're taking over from their data and seeing the applicability for the latest coronavirus, and then that goes back to the lab for validation. Walk us through that. Yeah, yeah, Hopefully. sure. Yeah, so so where we're at today, um, IPA is working with us together, um, and we're right now we're we're leveraging open research um, that 
that's widely available, um, working with the, those sequences um, uh, that were antibodies that, that target SARS-CoV-1 and seeing if we can develop a cross-reactive antibody that has good binding affinity to the latest strain of coronavirus. In several weeks from now, when that expression is done, they should have um, those antibodies sequenced. They can then provide us those sequences and we can try to improve or make or in, improve in many contexts of the word, um, uh, the antibody sequences that they, they provide us in a second round. So, so it's kind of a two-phased project. Um, one is with, with known sequences that have been published against the original SARS and try to make them cross-reactive. And, and then the, the, the second part, which is a lot more salient for us, is going to be to work with the actual uh, proprietary sequences that, that IPA comes up with in their lab um, and see if we can um, uh, Im improve those features with our models um, by uh, docking those antibodies against targets uh, against the target and um, and characterizing uh, variations of them. Good stuff. We're on the race. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's, I think you really are doing uh, social good here. And you know, I, I know that's part of your mission. Um, mm -hmm. And we applaud you for that. I know this is very stressful times. And Don and I just, you know, this morning we released a little note saying. Hey, you know, we're still here. We didn't publish last week. We published both weeks and, you know, it's really changed our life suddenly. Um, mm. So the pressure is on for you, but, you know, we're, we're supportive and we appreciate, you know, what you're doing here, uh, both from a practitioner side and as fellow human beings. So thank hey. you. And thank you for being on our podcast. We really enjoyed having you. And, and what help do you need? from our listeners do you want to make a yeah do you need any help or do you want to you know do you want people to leave a way to contact you or anything like that or to reach out yeah yeah i mean i mean on our i think on our website there's a there's a there's a contact form if, if anyone has any questions or they they have any suggestions or or any any interest at all uh, i think it's always welcome um you're anyone's welcome to check out our website it's um it's evqlv.com so that's uh, it's pronounced evolve, but the, the reason it's EVQLV, it's the it's the it's it's a common like amino acid mo kind of like a motif that's that's common to antibodies uh, on there. And, and <laughs> clever, clever, yeah. love it. Thank you so much, Brett. Really no, enjoyed you, it. Yes, thank, thank you very you. much. And, and some optimism for our listeners.